From tornadoes to hurricanes, blizzards, and everything in between, you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. The Stormfront Freaks are former television meteorologist Mark Massaro, digital meteorologist and weather producer on the Weather Channel app Dina Knightley, former on-camera meteorologist at the Weather Channel Kim Cunningham, meteorologist and social media manager at Agora Pulse Jen Watson, star of Tornado Hunters Greg Johnson, and I'm your announcer and Skywarn Network coordinator Mark Johnson. Now, here's the moderator of the Stormfront Freaks podcast, Skywarn Storm Spotter and Chaser Bill Johnson. Hey, welcome everybody to the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening and viewing device. This is the award-winning Stormfront Freaks podcast. It's brought to you by Atmosphere Weather App. It's your hourly weather forecast. It's on a clock for a quick read. It's the last daily weather app you're ever going to use. Atmosphere Weather App, it's available on iPhone and Android devices, and you can learn more at atmosphereweather.com. Dot com. Don't forget, guys, you can always go to our website. Check out stormfrontfreaks.com. If you ever want to look back on, and listen to any of our past episodes, uh, you, you can hear we've had guests like Storm Chaser Jeff Piotrowski, uh, NASA Airborne Scientist Ed Teets, uh, a wide range of, of uh, weather people and weather guests. But tonight, this is episode 101, uh, and we have, we've got National Weather Hall of Fame inductee, uh, he's a civil disaster engineer, meteorologist, and a pioneer storm chaser. Tim Marshall is with right on. Uh, so we're, we're definitely excited to talk to Tim. Uh, we'll do our normal lightning round with him, which is going to be fun. And then later on, stick around. We've got some great hashtag weather fools to share with you, some WX resources you're going to want to know about, and uh, much more. But before we get to all of that, it is March, and March, of course, is National Weather Podcast Month. Uh, it's an opportunity to check out some great independent weather podcasts that are out there. Uh, if you like us, you got to check out some of these other ones. Uh, B-Squared uh, is a great, uh, relatively new within the last year, year and a half. Uh, they've got a great show. Again, it's called B-Squared. And look for an upcoming bonus show. We're, we're organizing a bonus show with B-Squared that should be out here probably in the next week or so. Uh, Carolina Weather Group, also great uh, weather podcast, Weather Brains, and uh, Weather Hype. So uh, check those ones out. Do the Weather Podcast Challenge and uh, listen to an episode of each uh, in the month of March. They got some great guests and great conversation. Uh, what we always want to do is check out who we actually have here tonight of all of our co-hosts. So we do that by uh, introducing the team uh, through our happy hour. It's always happy hour every time we record. <laughs> And it's great to find out what everybody's drinking tonight, and we get a chance to see who's here tonight. MJ, I'm going to start with you, as always, up in Minnesota. What are you drinking? All right, good evening, everybody. Uh, back to Captain and Coke in a nice tall glass. All right. Ooh, hey, well by done. the way, they they let me uh, bring that alcohol back in my luggage from they Oklahoma did. City. Nice. Yeah. Wow, right. that's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. That was a highlight. Oh, they took back. the hand sanitizer, but they let but you have your alcohol. They let me bring the alcohol. I still can't Dina. believe that, Dina. I still Dina can't. Okay. in Atlanta. What are you drinking tonight? I have a um, cranberry and vodka in my Stormfront mm. drinks mug. But here's the cool thing: this was from. When we went to Oklahoma City, I don't know yes. who bought it. It was either Phil or maybe Brady. <laughs> it was Brady. It's Brady. But it's the best, like, when you have um, a party and you leave with alcohol that you That's didn't buy. That's the best. That's great. So, yeah. All right, Jen. Jen in Atlanta, what are you drinking tonight? My here? God, you guys. Emergency. This is it. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. Vitamins. And the reason. COVID-19 the reason, scare is strong with you. Well, no, actually it isn't. Honestly, it's just my workload has That's been good. insane and I'm trying to keep up with it and I'm having to like work like longer hours and everything. So I'm actually not scared at all. Doesn't um, hurt. Yeah, but I, I, I'm just trying to keep keep the energy levels high. Very good. Very good. And then we got uh, Greg, Greg Johnson up in Canada. What do you got tonight drinking, sir? I'm drinking my medicine as well. Uh, this wow. is whiskey and ginger ale. <laughs> well well done. Healthy. That'll well keep done, you healthy. Guys. All right. So let's uh, let's get to our, our guest tonight. We've been looking forward to having this individual on for for some time. So glad we could make it work out. Greg, why don't you go ahead and uh, take the take the mic? All right. Well, it's my pleasure to introduce Tim Marshall, who's a meteorologist, civil engineer, and, well, a storm-chasing pioneer. Tim Marshall is currently a meteorologist and senior engineer at HAG, I hope I got that right, HAG Engineering Company since 1983. 
He concentrates on damage analysis from tornadoes and other weather phenomenon. Once an editor of Storm Track magazine, Tim is a storm chasing pioneer. Sounds like he's old. <laughs> he, re oh, no. he received his master's degree in atmospheric science and civil engineering in the 1980s. That's in the last century and from Texas Tech <laughs> University. And he is scheduled to be inducted this year into Ooh. the more, now recently postponed National Weather Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Whoa. Nice. Congratulations, Tim. Yeah. That's, Thank you. That's a huge, huge honor. Um, and I think I, I might kick it off with a question. I was asking you a bunch of questions before we even like came on. And then everyone's like, Jen, stop, because this is what I want to ask you during the show. But so, Tim, I'm interested to know what the storm chasing landscape is like during the coronavirus. Is it less? Is it potentially more? People have more time on their hands. I mean, what, what has it been like the past couple of days? Well, I've only been out twice yesterday and the day before. And yesterday, I would say I encountered 30, 40 vehicles uh, on the storm, which is pretty hefty for the storm that was there, but that was the only storm around. And the models were only forecasting like one storm in that area. So it's not really too surprising. I'll probably have a better handle on this throughout the season, but I do think that this virus is going to affect chasers in terms of the numbers because mm. you know we don't have the overseas folks that are here uh, and there are other types of chasers out there that are restricting their range yeah i i definitely understand that and i'm interested so in the news all you hear is just the all about the virus and that's about it but what about this severe weather season? A lot of people are saying it's going to start earlier and be more severe than in the past. What is your prediction? I don't have a crystal ball on what the long term is going to be. Right now, though, looking at what's going on, we're getting a lot of Pacific systems, upper lows that are moving through from west to east. And I like that progression of systems. If it keeps up, we're going to have a fairly active March. Uh, then April. Looks like it's going to slow down a little bit, but again, that's only on the short term. We'll have to see how April pans out, but I'm ready for a very active chase season. Hey, hey Tim, I got a question for you. This is Greg. Um, so when you get inducted into any Hall of Fame, that means that two things are happening. Number one, you're getting up there in the years. No. And, <laughs> and number two. He's not coming back. No, and number two. Tim, don't means, listen to him. It means you've done some pretty amazing things. So I'll go uh, with that. Yeah. So with, with, <laughs> here's the question. Greggles, could you turn up your mic? I can't hear you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Tim. Exactly. <laughs> listen, you've had this incredible career. I mean, as a storm chaser myself, I can tell you that um, when I bust – like the days that I go out and I have a bust, if you're in the area, I'm like, awesome, Tim busted as well. That means that I'm in good company. I want to know in your career, what are those like high, like what's the top highlights? What are those things that you've seen over your career that you just like, man, this is the, the coolest, most interesting thing ever? I've been fortunate to see a lot of very cool and interesting things. And that's because I chase quite a bit, March, April, May, and sometimes well into June. So I get almost four months of storm chasing here. So I have some luxury and plus my location. I'm only two and a half hours from Oklahoma City and only two and a half hours from Vernon, Texas, just northwest of Wichita Falls. So right there, the heart of Tornado Alley, I'm just a short hop away. So I count myself lucky and I've seen a lot of great storms. That's awesome. Would, um, would, like any like you, you've got to have like yeah, damn, there's I was be a right there for this <laughs> one or that one. Sure. I mean, my uh, number one. You know, everybody wants to ask me for my number one. My number one was a 90 minute tornado that moved only 17 miles an hour oh near Solomon, Kansas, out in the country. Very violent tornado, and we watched that. Approached it four different times up close, and it was just one of the most easy chases there was because it was very visible it was 
out there, perfect light. The roads were great. And it all parallels uh, the interstate I-70. So it was a wonderful chase. And my top, my number one chase, because it was a 90-minute long tornado. And that's very rare to see a tornado lasting 90 minutes and only crawling at 17 miles an hour. Was that 2016? Yes. May 25, 2016. The day after, a phenomenal day where we saw a dozen tornadoes near Dodge City. And wow. that was a spectacular chase day as well. So I had like one in my number one, and my number two, back to back. So wow. can I ask you a question, Tim? So you you chase, but you're also a civil and an engineer, and you assess the damage after the fact. So like when you chase, do you actually the next day assess that specific damage of where you chased, or do you get kind of um, contracted out to assess damage in specific areas? Well, it's actually both. I, I actually do go to the sites where I have filmed the tornado and see what the damage was. And then I also get contracted out to go ahead and evaluate the damage. And sometimes I do it on my own. Like Nashville, I went and did my on my own. But sometimes the National Weather Service calls me in and wants an engineering opinion. Other times uh, we have private clients that call us in and want to know damage to a specific building and how bad it is and whether it can be repaired or how to repair it and what's it going to cost. Hey, Tim, how did you get into so many different things? I looked at your bio. You're a meteorologist. You're an engineer. You were an editor. I'm like, how did And I think it was meteorology first, right? Yeah, I wear many hats. I mean, meteorology is to me my roots, the roots that I grew up with and my passion runs deep with meteorology. Engineering, I came into that because, well, there's a number of things that happened. When I graduated with my degrees in meteorology, I could not find a job. And Jimmy Carter was president, and he put a freeze on federal hiring. Hmm. So just so happened that Grand Island got hit with a major disaster of tornadoes in 1980. And the civil engineering department calls over to the atmospheric science department and says, do you have a meteorologist that would go with us up to Grand Island to survey damage? And, oh, by the way, Ted Fujita is going to be there. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm I'm certainly available. That's (laughs) me right here. And uh, so uh, Dr. Peterson said, yeah, why don't you go up there and, and, and see? Well, what happened was I was actually brainwashed. When I got up there and I was so fascinated with the damage, the engineer said, Tim, if you're so interested in the damage, why don't you go to school and learn how these things are built so you know how they're going to fall apart? And I go, well, that sounds interesting. And I'm sure my parents would love to hear that I'd be a professional <laughs> college student. Sure. But I actually did that. And uh, we agreed that they would give me some money if I could prove myself after the first semester. So yeah, it worked out fantastic. They started paying me to go to school, and the next thing I know, I, I have a degree in engineering and passed the state exam. And so then I went to the Yellow Pages, literally, literally the Yellow Pages, and I said, okay, I want to work for a failure and damage consulting company. Open the uh, Yellow Pages up. There's Hague Engineering, and I called them, and they said, they're not hiring. And I said, I don't care if you're not hiring. You just need <laughs> I just want an interview. That's all I want. All I want is an interview. I know you're not hiring, but just give me an interview. And they kind of like that kind of um, kind of uh, kind of cool. That's a yeah. good tip. Just want an interview. Don't I don't care if you're not hiring. So they said, okay, we'll give you an interview. So they gave me an interview and they hired me. <laughs> <laughs> That's an awesome story. Did now did you meet Ted Fujita? Yes, I've met him on several wow. occasions. Okay. Uh, I, the first time I met Ted Fujita was in November of uh, 1974. I know I'm dating myself. Uh, it was after the super outbreak, and he had assembled a talk, and our student chapter of the AMS, American Meteorologist Society, uh, were we were invited down to the University of Chicago to see Dr. Ted and listen to him give a talk about his super outbreak and what he saw. And that was fascinating. Absolutely. That was the first time I met him. I've met him several times since. And in fact, gave talks at AMS conferences where we were a tag team. He, he gave a talk, then I gave a talk. That, so that was just wonderful, the one-two punch. And he was sitting in the audience listening to me, and I was sitting in the audience listening to him. So it was great. Oh, that's so amazing. That's so awesome. And 
And Tim, you travel the world, right? Assessing damage from natural disasters. It's not just the U.S. or is it just the U.S.? No, I have traveled to the U.K. to evaluate tornado damage. But as far as the rest of the world traveling, that's on my own. I have a passion for traveling the world and I am in a fortunate position to do that. So all these things that I read about as a, as a school kid, you know, I, I saw the Eiffel Tower in, in, a, in a book and I saw the pyramids in a book and I saw uh, the these kinds of creatures that were made out of stone on an island off the Pacific. Well, I want to go to all these places <laughs> and see them rather than just say, okay, I saw this in a book when I was a kid. Oh, my gosh. What, what, let, let me ask you this, Tim. So talking about the damage assessments you do, I, I can fully understand with the experience you now have and, and what you've done, why people come to you and contract you to do that. My question is with the National Weather Service, who typically does that per field office, what what is the kind of damage that they see or face where they're going, you know what, let's call Tim on this one? I'm usually called in when there is a question about the intensity of damage when they see a building that is no longer there and then they want to know how well built was this building because they are tasked with developing uh, a track not only that but the three main things they're interested in is path length path width and then the ef scale rating so that's that ef scale rating that they need to know and as you know the most intense damage gets the the highest rating and that defines the whole track. So in other words, for like uh, Nashville, uh, that tornado that goes 60 miles, if the most intense damage is EF3, then the tornado is rated EF3. Okay, interesting. So what's the most like fascinating damage that you've ever seen from a tornado? Like, you know, things get are wrapped around trees, like things that are just like, unfathomable like you just are like oh my gosh like that happened i know um during april uh, 27th 2011 i think a, a car had been tossed up and hit like a water tower and they ended up matching the paint in mississippi but have you seen anything like that crazy oh sure i mean i've seen a lot of bizarre and almost unexplainable things that have happened with tornadoes i saw for example uh, a we're all familiar with chain link fences and the steel poles that go into the ground. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you put a steel pole in, in kind of a bucket of concrete. Well, I saw uh, the chain link fence was completely destroyed and a pole was pulled out and then replanted upside down with a chunk of concrete hanging wow. from the top. Wow. And so the tornado disassembled the fence and then tried to <laughs> reinstall the fence, but upside down. Wow, so Tim, when you're crazy. doing damage assessments, what do you start with? Because I know like some things like you can't do it. You can't really check the length until you know the intensity or where do you start? Well, we try to start at the beginning. And then, so we have to find that beginning point. Where is that beginning? Well, it's best to do an aerial survey uh, or obviously the first thing I want to do uh, is to talk to the folks at the National Weather Service and whether I'm working with them or not to try to get the rotational track so we can get that information. And then the, they are the gatekeeper with regard to all these reports that come in from the county emergency managers and response teams to find out where did the tornado first touch down. Our aerial survey is fantastic, and I, I, and I really want to do that as much as I possibly can. Uh, and so that means that you have to have fairly good weather, though, to do that. So we try to, to fly the path, identify certain features along the path that we want to later examine much more detail on the ground, and then go ahead and focus in on those things later. And in just a matter of two, three, four hours flying, I can gain a tremendous amount of information that would take me days to get on the ground. So aerial is really superior. Have you used drones yet, Tim, by chance? Or have you been involved in that? Yes. In fact, we just uh, did Nashville, and we selected certain sites uh, that we flew drones with, and it, it's just phenomenal. It, it is the tool now that I, that I will use from now on 
on surveying because it shows you so much detail. You know, the quality of cameras these days is fantastic. Yeah. And you can see so much from the air that you cannot possibly see from the ground. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, I've, I have found the last daily weather app that, that you're ever going to need because I used to always look at, at to, to try and find out what's going on with the weather in my area for the day. I'd pull up an app or various apps, scroll, hit links, connect to try and find all the information I was looking for. And, and now I've been able to find an app that you can get all that uh, right on one screen. You can get seven days of the hourly weather temps cloud cover, precipitation, all rendered around a clock with your radar right in the center of the clock. It can even integrate your empty calendar that we all have now with COVID-19. And, and you can see what to wear to your kid's soccer game that got canceled because of the coronavirus. Um, Atmosphere Weather app, you can get it on your iPhone and Android for the U.S., U.K., and Canada. Uh, the free version gives you up to three days of weather forecasts. Uh, but for $3.99 a year, that subscription gets you seven days of hourly weather. No banner ads. You get that radar map in the middle and a lot more. So you got to see it to believe it because I'm telling you, uh, once you find this, you're, you're going to love it. Go to atmosphereweather.com. So let's go ahead. Uh, everybody can go ahead and get a refill. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back uh, with Tim to play his lightning round. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm James Spann with the Weather Brains Podcast, and here's a message to get you weather ready. The spring season is here, and we want to prepare you for spring weather threats, which include thunderstorms. When thunder roars, go indoors. Lightning strikes the United States about 25 million times a year. Although most lightning occurs in the summer, people can be struck during any month. Lightning kills an average of 47 people in the United States, and hundreds more are severely injured annually. For more information, please visit the NOAA Weather Ready Nation website at weather.gov WRN. Helicity.co is the leader in weather-themed clothing and accessories for the Stormfront Freak and You. Besides a creative line of weather-themed t-shirts, footwear, bags, and more, they also carry an exclusive line of Stormfront Freaks podcast gear and drinkware. Get a 10% discount on your entire order when you use the code DOWNLOAD at checkout. Listen for a new code each episode. That code again is DOWNLOAD. Find it all at Helicity.co. Hey, welcome back, everybody. So uh, we're here with uh, Tim Marshall, engineer, meteorologist, and, and we're talking tornadoes and weather and damage, all kinds of cool stuff. Um, I, I want to find out a little bit, Tim. So I, I understand you were involved in the, the development of not only the EF scale, but also uh, had some involvement with the uh, Safford-Simpson scale or update. I, I guess my, my question to you and maybe leaning a little bit to the Safford-Simpson scale more than the EF scale, but regardless, do you think either one of those needs to be tweaked or updated because of how the public is viewing those scales as like how big the storm is, which maybe isn't necessarily what always those scales are intended to tell? That's correct. Uh, the Safford-Simpson scale is now a wind scale, and that is what I have been pushing for for many years because before it, it had wind and storm surge and they are not completely linked. Uh, there are bays and estuaries that are shallow that have much higher storm surges for very little wind. So it's not a linear relationship by any means. So by having uh, this discussion with the folks at the Hurricane Center and other scientists, it was agreed that there needs to be a separation between wind and storm surge. And I'm glad that this has been done. So now the Saffron Simpson scale is strictly a wind scale. And then the storm surge forecasts depend on the location along the coast. So that was one of the, the big changes here that was done. Now, as far as what the public perceives, well, you're right. There are things like storm size that make a difference. Uh, duration makes a difference. The angle that it comes on shore makes a difference, all in the amount of uh, 
strength of the wind and the duration of the storm surge and height of the storm surge. So it depends on a lot of local actions that happen, uh, the topography that happens there, as well as offshore. Uh, the very shallow waters of Mississippi Sound, for example, are promote high storm surges. So, I mean, there's a town in there in Mississippi called Waveland, and, and there's a reason why. It's because th there's a lot of high water there. We measured 28 feet. Wow. And that's still, as a still water level in Waveland, Mississippi after Katrina. That's 28 feet. That's three yes. stories of water, but and then the waves are superimposed on that. So it's pretty tremendous, the amount of storm surge. And that's what kills most of the people in hurricanes is the storm surge. So it's it's funny. It creeps up. It's not a tidal wave. People have this misnomer that it's some giant wave, and it's not. It's a slow, gradual rise in the water level that actually precedes the eye and yeah. accompanies the eye. People don't realize that. They, a lot of times I hear the story, oh, we're going to wait and see how bad this gets before we make a decision whether we're going to leave. Well, that's too late. Uh, by the time you uh, the winds pick up, those low-lying roads are already flooded over. You can't leave. This happened on Bolivar Peninsula for Ike. The people decided they wanted to leave, but the roads were already covered with three and four feet of water. You can't drive through that. So you're stuck, and now you're in for the show. Yeah. It's, have you it's, ever been stuck in surge, Tim? I have been stuck in surge because uh, I chase uh, hurricanes, and, and I do plan uh, uh, my escape routes. And when I mean stuck, I don't mean physically losing my vehicle. I've never had that happen. But I've had all 10 of my escape routes in Katrina cut off, and I, oh. I was on high ground, and I had to remain in a parking garage in Slidell for about eight hours. Uh, and in Ike, I, I was stuck on Galveston Island at the highest point there, which is the San Luis Hotel. And I was there for about eight or 10 hours, oh. and I call, I call it stuck. I mean, I can't go anywhere until the water goes down. And, and that's that's what I mean by stuck. But I have never been physically stuck. I've never lost my vehicle in any of the hurricanes that I've chased. Oh, that's crazy. So I've got a question, Tim, when it comes to, um, you know, structure and building a very strong home to sustain strong winds. So you've done a lot of surveys with damage and everything. Um, what would you suggest or what have you seen as the strongest home building um, if someone's building like a new house? Well, there are a lot of houses that are being built with what they call ICF, which is an insulated concrete form. Uh, they're doing this in Greensburg, Kansas, which as you know, got wiped out in the tornado back, I think it was 07, that yeah. uh, happened there. And there was a it was the top end tornado, EF5. Uh, and there are houses going. I also know some uh, friends of mine who have ICF houses. Uh, and, and those walls are going to stand up. There's no question about it. Now, the key is, is your roof going to stay on? So mm -hmm. uh, most of those houses I see have a wood roof truss, and it has to be attached or anchored to the tops of those concrete walls. Well, that's the failure point, and you're going to lose your roof if that's the case. But in Guam, they've taken it a step further. They actually pour the roof. So you have an, a complete monolithic steel reinforced concrete house. So your roof is concrete, your walls are concrete, and they write out typhoons that are category five and they do fine. Now, yeah, you might do some windows here and there or power goes off and you have to generate her. And, and, but still, they have a house to come back to after the typhoon. Are those wow. the round ones? Like the, you know, the hurricane houses I've seen in uh, Charleston, are those like round? Some of them, yeah, you can get some round domes. Uh, the, it's best to get round domes because it's more streamlined for the wind. As long as your house, of course, is up high uh, so that you don't have storm surge problems, your house can survive. You can build a house to survive an EF5 tornado, and an E uh, Category 5 uh, hurricane. Uh, you just have to, you know, build it right. So... Um, Tim, I've got we've got a question from a viewer, and you maybe kind of already answered this, but it's from Christine. Um, what weather event has changed or changed your life the most? Was it Hurricane Katrina 
Or was there something earlier that was so significant that kind of altered your perspective about the world and life and everything like that? Well, we're going way back on this one because the event that really changed my life was April 21 of 1967. It was the Oaklawn tornado. I lived in Oaklawn, Illinois at the time. I was already interested in weather. I kept daily weather readings. My, I, my parents asked me what I wanted for Christmas. I was a 10-year-old kid. And I said, Mom, Dad, I want a barometer. And they go, what? <laughs> I go, a barometer. What is a barometer? And I said, well, it me- measures air pressure. Because I kept daily weather readings. Well, it turns out that destiny, I, I suppose, happened. And a F4 tornado hit my town. When I, when I was 10 years old, I got to see the damage for the first hand. And I asked my mom and dad, I said, uh, what is this thing that comes out of the sky that does that? And they had a few wrong answers. I mean, they said, <laughs> well, you know, it happens when lightning goes in a circle. When you see lightning go in a circle, that means that there's going to be a tornado. <laughs> so as a panic kid, I was waiting. Every storm that came up for lightning that went in a circle. And when lightning went in a circle, then I went down to the basement. But uh, <laughs> it, it turns out they, they asked me to go ahead and write other people, which I did. And I wrote all the TV meteorologists and they all responded. Uh, I, I did write to Ted Fujita and he, he responded, which was oh, wow. great for a 10 year old kid. And uh, so I decided that I was going to do a study on, on tornadoes. And my science teacher, Mr. Marvin Zeman, said, Tim, you know, you should enter the science fair and do a study on tornadoes. And I said, OK. And I did. And I won the top award in the science fair. So, wow. you know, my destiny was set. Ten-year-old kid wins the top award in the science fair. Yeah, you know, here's some Ted Fujita uh, and, and all the other TV meteorologists. I was on a roll. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I want to study tornadoes the rest of my life. I don't know what these things are, but I want to learn about them. That's awesome. I love that story. I absolutely love that story. And what um, I'm hearing what I'm hearing from tonight's episode is that if you two want to be in the weather hall of fame, <laughs> start at 10. You, you gotta start young. Start at 10, yep. Mm-hmm. Start and- young. How, how did you even know to write Ted Fujita when you were yeah, 10 years really. old? Well, they were promoting him. I mean, he was uh, Mr. Tornado. He was new onto the scene. One of the first studies he did was about the Fargo tornadoes. And in, in 1970, uh, a tornado hit Lubbock, Texas. And he, he had surveyed the Palm Sunday event in 65. And he had developed this thing called an F scale. And what he thought was this. He said, you know, I've seen... Weak tornadoes, kind of moderate tornadoes, and I've seen strong tornadoes. And there's probably a tornado stronger than what I've seen, and there's probably tornadoes weaker than I've seen. So that's five. So let's go ahead with five on a Fujita scale. And that's where we went. Uh, so that's how the F scale was was born, was, was basically out of Ted's empirical and scientific mind. And that's what we're, we're still working with today. What was it like back when you first started chasing? What was it like the 80s? I mean, what did you just go out and forecast an area and wait? <laughs> yeah, chasing back then is a whole lot different than chasing now. Uh, back in the first few years, which were for me, a 76 was my first, uh, I, I was already uh, 20 years old and had a driver's license. So uh, and a car. So I started chasing. I was chasing rain shafts. I didn't know what the heck I was chasing. <laughs> and normally I would depend on the radio. That's right. The radio for a radar report. It's like, okay, you know, so, and, and those reports were sometimes hours old. And so I'd be chasing ghosts a lot of time. And when I came down to Texas tech, I, I started learning quickly about Storms out on the high plains are a whole lot different than storms up in the uh, Midwest in terms of their appearance and certain features. And they're basically learning to read the sky. And that's where I started developing, oh, there, there is a pattern here. There is, we can tell which storms are uh, more severe than others just by looks. And that's where I decided to... Uh, form up the Texas Tech Tornado Intercept team and write up a chase manual and and just start going out and saying that, hey, there there is a pattern here. This isn't just totally random stuff here that's going on. Tim, give us a number. Throw, throw a number at us. 
like how many tornadoes has Tim, the legend, the Hall of Famer, Marshall, seen in his career? <laughs> well, I have not counted them all, uh, and it's going to be several hundred. I mean, we're going to oh. talk about oh, maybe wow. 300 or so, 400, uh, three, between 300 and 400, I would say. It is a safe bet uh, there. That's amazing. That's like... Mm. I can't even imagine. And each one's different. They're 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 like you know kids or snowflakes or something. They're all <laughs> different. Every single one. Oh my do you remember all the dates and the places yeah. and like do do you have like that thing where if somebody mentioned or saw a picture of a tornado, you'd be like, oh, I know the date and the location where that was. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> I call it the database brain. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. it's sometimes. I am I'm a very visual person. And it just depends on how sharp I am on that particular moment. But I would say, yeah, you show me a picture. I can kind of, uh, especially on the tornadoes I've been on, uh, I could probably tell you which tornado that was. And uh, date-wise, I have a little problem with numbers uh, sometimes and years. But, you know, I can still remember kind of the towns that I, that I was near when I saw the tornado. All right, Tim, we, we got one last question here that I have and, and others listening tonight like SVL Media have. So ChaserCon, you've been a huge part of the National ChaserCon, uh, which typically has been in, in Colorado, correct? Yeah, it's been in okay. Denver, Colorado, and then sometimes it's been out in other places. So it's changed. Okay, so what? So what's the update? So I, I, I haven't attended that um, in the last few years, but I hear there's some changes and maybe there's something new coming up. Uh, you obviously know all about that. What can you tell us about it? And what can you tell us about something new that's coming? Sure. Uh, Roger and Karen Hill, along with Tim Samaras, were the co-founders of ChaserCon. And it ran for 20 years. And I was glad to be part of it. Uh, you know, they, they asked me every year to come back. And, and I, I, I do so because I have a passion for Weather, as you know, and I have a, and I just want to share this with everybody. I, I have chased for many, many years, way before the movie Twister, and mm -hmm. I will continue to chase as long as the authorities will let me chase. Okay. Uh, so I will continue to chase. But they, they, uh, of course, Tim Samaras has passed, and Roger and Karen uh, are basically tired of de dealing with this conference because it involves a lot of money and. They had lost money on some of the conferences and had had some things happen to them that was unfortunate. So th they're also getting to the point where they're they're looking at other endeavors rather than just ChaserCon. So ChaserCon is a lot of effort to put on. So they have they stopped it. This was the final year, and they no longer will do ChaserCon. But because there's a groundswell of support in continuing the project, there are other chasers in Oklahoma. In particular, that decided we're going to keep this thing going. And so next spring, if things are still <clears throat> okay by that time, hopefully, <laughs> they'll have the uh, next, it's not going to be a chaser con, it's going to be called something like the National Storm Chaser Convention or something. It will be in Midwest City, Oklahoma, which is a suburb of Oklahoma City. And it'll be uh, either January, February, something like that next year. So mark your calendars. Definitely you want to attend that. Uh, if you're a storm chaser, help support these new people who are coming up now and having to make financial obligations because they have to put it down a lot of money to go ahead and guarantee a hotel and guarantee meeting space. And they're counting on chaser support here to continue the tradition of chasers getting together every spring before the season and before the chase to share stories and have a nice conference. And you hope to be a part of that, yes? They have asked me. I have accepted, so I will be good. there. Ooh. Good. Challenge accepted. That's good to awesome. hear. Awesome. All right. Hey, that's the sound. It is time for our lightning round. So, Tim, this is our game show of brilliant and shocking and Bright yeah, questions that we always <laughs> play with our guests. Let's call it that. Uh, so tonight, we're so I found out a little bit that that in your past, you played a little guitar, correct? Nice. 
So, I played it and I also taught it uh, in college uh, to get some college beer money and pizza. Money. <laughs> there we go. So, so we're gonna play a little game tonight called Who's Better. So, who's better? So, this is basically uh, from the Rolling Stone. We're we're gonna look at the top 100 guitar players according to Rolling Stone, and I'm I'm basically gonna give you two different guitarists. And it's going to be up to you to tell me which one was ranked higher. Okay? Which guitarist maybe was ranked higher. And and we always tell everybody at home, feel free to play along with us. And, and the freaks, they, they can help give you what they think. Uh, I don't think any of them played guitar. So <laughs> Sorry, you're, Tim. You're no. probably out of luck. But they, they can help you as much as they can. But uh, we're, we're going to go through some guitar players. You're going to tell me which one was ranked higher. Make sense? Okay. All right, so here we go. So the first two guitar players I'm going to give you. Uh, the first one is uh, Bruce Springsteen, and the other one is Bo Diddley. So you need to tell me which one actually was ranked higher, Bruce Springsteen or Bo Diddley. I would say, uh, see here, uh, I'll go with Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. You say Bruce? That's oh, incorrect. I didn't know, Tim. I didn't know that either. So Bruce was ranked 96th in the Rolling Stone Top 100. Bo Diddley was 27th. Oh, okay. So Bo Diddley. All right, here we go. We're gonna we're, we'll make this up. Uh, the next one we've got Slash from Guns N' Roses uh, versus The Edge from U2. Who was ranked higher, Slash or The Edge? Oh, I like I like The Edge. You like The Edge, and you would be correct. Oh, good right. job. He was, uh, he was 38th, and Slash was 65th. So you're on a roll now. Here we go. All right. Joe Walsh of the Eagles or Paul Simon? Who was ranked as a better guitar player? I love Joe Walsh. Sorry, Paul. Yeah. I, and I figured you might say that, and you would be oh, correct. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Joe was 54th. Paul Simon was 93rd. Paul, oh. Paul just made the list uh, right there on the edge. All right. Next one, we got Jerry Garcia from the Grateful Dead or Neil Young. Who, who was ranked as a better guitar player? Now you got a toughie there. Uh, yeah. You really do because they're both excellent. Yeah, we, we're going to get I, harder I, as we go. So it, it does get harder here. I will have to say my preference is Neil Young. Okay. I prefer Neil Young over Jerry Garcia. Sorry, Deadhead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're saying Neil Young? Yep. You would be oh, correct. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was 17th. Uh, 17th. Uh, sorry. I'm, I'm, Did your voice just yep. crack, Phil? Yeah, I'm, I'm, He's I'm excited. 16. I'm changing. Uh, so he was 17th. Gary, Gary, uh, Jerry was 46th. All right. Here we go. Carlos Santana or Eric Clapton. Oh. Who's ranked as a better oh, guitar player? Well, I'm telling you, I love both those guys. Yep. Uh, I have seen Carlos Santana in concert. He was absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. You know, Eric Clapton in his younger days was also absolutely awesome, but he's mellowed a bit in his old age. Carlos Santana has not mellowed. He's, well, I would say in a jazz sense, he is mellow, but in a guitar sense, he hasn't slowed down one bit. You know, I'm going to have to do really a kind of a split decision here. I'm going to say that. No. uh, Yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it. (laughs) That back back in my early days, I would give it to Eric Clapton, okay. uh, and in my, my later days for 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 longevity, I would give it to <laughs> Carlos. Who, who who do you think the Rolling Stone would rank higher overall uh, <laughs> over the lifespan? Uh, Come on, was, Tim. Who was a better guitar player, maybe in their in their prime? In their prime. Think? Now, see, when you're saying Rolling Stone, I was trying to. It would be Eric Clapton in his prime. I'm going with Clapton. Eric Clapton, you would be correct. Eric Clapton. Get this, Tim. So, Eric Clapton was ranked second uh, by the Rolling Stone. Carlos was 20th. Wow. Pretty big difference. The studio audience. I would say today, I would say today it's Carlos. I would say. Which is fine. That's legit. I'm, and this is Rolling Stone. This isn't my yeah. opinion either. All right, here we go. I don't know if you're a Beatles fan, but we're putting up John Lennon versus George Harrison. Mm. Who do you think the Rolling Stone picked as a better guitar player? Really? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. 
they're both not very good guitar players, okay? <laughs> so now we're at the opposite. Well, we were with Carlos Santana and Eric Clapton, which are the top guitar players. Now sure. we're dealing with kind of the opposite side here. Okay. Okay. Um, I have heard solos by both. I would say that uh, they're both so-so. Uh, you know, if I'm going to have to give give it to uh, Ron Lennon, you know. Now, I'm going to say I'm going to go. I'm not going to go with Lennon. I'm I'm really not going to go with him because he's a good singer and 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 helped Paul with songwriting. But I would have to say that uh, uh, I'm not going with George. George George Harrison. George. Yeah. All right. Uh, You would be correct. So John Lennon. John Lennon was 55th, but George Harrison was 11th. What? Wow. So they wow. picked George Harrison above Carlos Santana. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. I would disagree with that. Yeah. <laughs> but because uh, Carlos Santana is fair awesome. enough. What's his right. score at right now, Phil? I don't know. He's doing unbelievable. He's so he is doing well. Here we go. Uh the next two we got uh Pete Townsend of the Who and uh Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones, right? Oh, so who I, who was yeah. picked higher? Well best guitar <laughs> player. Yeah, uh, Pete Townsend to me is is the top over that. Keith Keith is 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 four chords and and you know <laughs> so, uh, yeah. uh, so Pete Townsend. So Pete Townsend. <laughs> oh no, that is incorrect. Oh, so wow. Pete Pete was ranked tenth, but Tim, you might be surprised. Keith Richards was fourth. Oh my wow. gosh, top guitar Crazy. players. So all right, well here we go. Uh, we got three more. So Chuck oh, Berry or Kurt Cobain? <laughs> Chuck Berry or Kurt Cobain? Uh, I like Chuck Berry. Sorry. That would be yeah. correct. Right. Chuck, Chuck well was done. seventh. Kurt Cobain was seventy third. Okay. Uh, so there was quite a separation there. All right. BB King or Prince? Ooh. Oh, now BB. you're done. I'm going BB King or Prince? Yeah. The early BB King. King was absolutely awesome. Uh, yeah. But Prince, he could play <laughs> anything. What a musician he was. He was amazing. Absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. You know, it kind of is the genre. What What would you like? Uh, you know, early days, BB King. Uh, obviously, when Prince came on the scene, it'd be Prince. So, because uh, BB King, I went and saw BB uh, King, <laughs> and you know, he obviously slowed down in his uh, older age as sure. he did. Um, I'm gonna go with Prince. You can go with Prince, and I would say that maybe as well, but it's probably a generational thing. Oh, uh, we'd wow. be incorrect. Yeah. Uh, Prince was 33rd, which I thought was kind of low for Prince, but BB yes. uh, King was sixth. Oh, okay, there you so, go. So probably again, Rolling Stone. They might be doing a good job of of looking at l- a little wider. All right, last one. Here we go. This is for all the big bucks. We got uh, Eddie Van Halen or Jimi Hendrix. Eddie Van mm. Halen or Jimi uh, Hendrix. Mm. Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix. That's Hendrix. hands down. And you'd be number one. Yep, Woo! that was Jimi Hendrix was number one. Yeah. Well uh, Eddie was eight. Okay. So that that was still kind of close, but uh, Tim, good job, man. Yeah, was, good job. Uh, Very impressive. So do uh, Tim, do us a favor. Tell tell our listeners how they can find you on social media. Well, I'm on Facebook. That's the only social media I'm on. Sorry for the, all the other things. I don't tweet. I don't uh, Instagram. I don't do any of the other grams. But uh, it's yeah. all it's all Facebook for me. Awesome. Okay, and what what's your what's your uh, how do they what's the name on that? Maybe just search for Tim Marshall. You're bound to find me. Yeah. All right, there you go. You'll find it. There's no other Tim Marshall in the entire world. It's no, there's tons the of them. The one and only Tim, Tim Marshall. You just have to seek me out. <laughs> just find it out. Well, very good. So I tell you what, we're gonna go ahead and take our final break. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna have our, our famous or maybe infamous hashtag Weather Fools. So stay tuned. Woo! Hi, my name is Jared Smith with the Carolina Weather Group, and here's a message to get you weather ready. The spring season is here, and we want to prepare you for spring weather threats, which includes flooding. During a flood, remain weather aware and monitor local television, trusted internet sources, and local radio, including NOAA Weather Radio, for additional information and updates. Don't go into a basement or any room if water covers the electrical outlets or if cords are submerged. If you see sparks or hear buzzing, crackling, snapping, or popping noises, get out. Stay out of water that may have electricity in it. For more information, please visit the NOAA Weather Ready Nation website at weather.gov slash WRN. 
You're listening to Emmy Award winning Jeff Petrosky on the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Let's take a drive under the moon. Let's take a drive under the somber sky. All right, this is the part of the show that it's the first time we get to make fun of everybody. It's called Weather Fools. And this is where we find videos of people doing stupid stuff in the weather. Nowadays, everybody has a nice HD phone. So if you do stupid things, you're going to get um, <laughs> you're gonna get recorded and you may make it to Stormfront Freaks Weather Fools. Now, Phil, Phil can't come with just one. Phil's got a couple, right? No, I, I do, and only because these things now show up on my doorstep, it seems. But I've I've got three weather fools that I'm going to share with you. Uh, the first one uh, comes from uh, our recent tornadoes we had in Nashville a few weeks back. Uh, this is Twitter listener at Nashville Busker shared this with us, but it's a video of a crane operator that's high oh. up in the Nashville skyline. I saw this. Yeah, so he's this. in one of these big, gigantic cranes that build skyscrapers. Oh, my God. And this is when the tornado was coming into the Nashville area. Oh, this is from his vantage point. Yes, this is him oh, taking the video. Oh, look at that. Oh, my God. Oh, the power flashes. Like, Holy of all God. the worst places to be in a tornado. Jeez. Like, not oh. good. That's terrifying. I, you know, so I don't, how does that happen? That's what I want to know. Situational awareness, Phil. <laughs> I have no idea how that happens. All right. The next weather fool, this comes from our friends in the UK uh, where they've had some flooding recently. But uh, I look forward to sharing you, this with you because it's a video of an SUV that starts driving through some flooded waters. And of course, the, of oh, course yeah. this is from their vantage point in the SUV. And the water now is already up to their grill. <laughs> what are and they if, doing? The, the silly thing is, is, you know, if we keep watching, what happens is they're, they're following this road with trees on both sides. So it kind of helps them to know where the road is. But they're, they're going to go through river, an, an underpass, through a highway oh, underpass. Boy. No. Um, and watch how the water slowly gets a little higher. Oh, now it's over their the hood. Like how so do you not? The, oh how my are you, god! They went under and it's the hood of the car. And, oh and if god. we watch a little bit longer, it starts getting to the windshield. The windshield. Oh. Yeah, they're this starting may be the to go underwater. This dumbest thing I have ever seen, Phil. This may be the how dumbest. And these guys wow. are going, "Oh my gosh, are we going to make it? I, I don't think I could do this anymore." <laughs> oh the god. funny thing is, is now they're almost underwater. Like the water what? is at halfway up their windshield, and their window wipers are still on. They how are. Is the car like, still yeah, they must. They must have a it's snorkel. Going. They must have a snorkel on that vehicle. They, they right? have to have a snorkel. There's no way they'd still be driving. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but the fact that they're not floating, because the he commented on the the uh, current. He says, "Oh, the current's kind of a little strong here." <laughs> just. Just, oh, my God. What an idiot. Oh I mean, he basically destroyed his engine. Just stupid. Mm. Stupid stuff. All right, the last one I've got from you is, so they're making a new Batman movie. You guys heard of this? Yep. Um, I don't know who the Parkinson or Pattinson, who's the guy that's playing oh, yeah. Bruce Wayne and Pat Batman? Um, anyway, so this this comes from Glasgow. This is Twitter, at uh, Lennon Kennedy 5 but actually had some uh, had a video of them filming the new Batman and they're on their bat cycle. And if you watch the video, so the roads are a little slick cause it looks wet, but here comes Batman. And I don't know who's next to him, Robin or Batgirl, but Batman gets a little, whoop, he's sliding. Whoop, there he bails. Uh, so the bat oh, cycle is maybe not as great as you think it is. Batman uh, needs some new oh, tires. Yeah, yeah, or Batman. The- Batman's I- not that good of a driver cause he has to bail the bat. <laughs> I hope that's a stunt double. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it is. But um, so yeah, so there, there are my uh, those are my weather fools. All those right. are great, Phil. Yeah, the Batman one was good. Well, <laughs> actually, the best one was like him driving like a submarine. It it did remind me of like That's when stupid. you see video of submarines, you see above the water, and then it kind of goes under. I love yeah. the window wipers, of course. Yeah. <laughs> when you're underwater, you need window wipers. Yeah. Uh, okay, I have one. And this was tweeted by Lady Grace, but I don't know what this guy's name is. Uh, So it's an on-camera meteorologist. He's talking about warnings. And I guess people were getting mad at him because he was cutting into the TV. 
and social media was all over him about cutting in and he just has a total fit he's like listen here people this is not about ego this this could be your neighborhood i mean it it's so funny yeah. um you got to kind of like play it back and listen to him because he's just had it he's like i don't i don't care about your stupid show i'm done does he cuss you know. on air does he, I, he... I didn't hear him cuss it seems but, to happen more and more often now. Every time yeah. there's a, a tornado outbreak or a tornado situation, you hear about people bitching warning. at the meteorologist. Yeah. So yeah. he he had, had it and it was done. So you got to go back and watch and just listen to the Tim, audio. You've, ne you've never heard of that ever in your <laughs> lifetime, have you? Not too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe once or twice. It's kind of yeah. fun watching them just like enough people. Because, you know, when you're on TV too, you got to be nice and don't offend anybody and... You know, you just can't say shut your pie hole. All right. I think we're handing it off to Jen for weather resources, aren't we? Yeah. We are. And, right. you, and you can find any of those links oh. of those uh, weather fools. Uh, you can find that on <laughs> episode 101 in our show notes, either on our website, stormfrontfreaks.com, or a lot of times if you're listening to us on your phone, your podcast app has our show notes too. So I'll episode just Episode one. Oh, one. 101. All right, Jen, what do you got? All right, guys. So this is Weather Resources. This is where we share different equipment, apps, websites, anything to help you forecast the weather better, give you information. It's for extreme weather geeks, um, educated, uh, degreed meteorologists, or even to little kids. Um, do you guys want me to go first or you want me to? It's, you're running the show. You go oh, yeah. Hey. Okay. So. I'm going to start with mine really quick because uh, a lot of people are homeschooling. Um, even in Kansas, I believe the entire state, none of the kids are going back to school. So my site is weareteachers.com and they have some really fun, cool, uh, different experiments to teach kids about tornadoes, lightning, rainbows, you name it. Nice. Um, from making a tornado with two uh, liter uh, water bottles or soda bottles uh, to even making fake snow. Um, it's pretty awesome from a weather journal different things to give them fun activities to do and teach them about science, um, you know, creating just fog, um, that kind of stuff. So cool. it's a pretty awesome pretty site. Cool. And I was thinking of just all the parents right now that are, you know, struggling with their kids at home. So that is my weather resource for today. And I do actually have a question for Tim. I would love to know what is your favorite tool to use when you storm chase? What do you not storm chase without? Well, I'm very primitive. I have a cell phone, and that's it. And hmm. he throws dirt in the air and yeah, sniffs. sniffs the, yeah. That's amazing. That a little awesome. taste. The days of sniffing the dirt are over. <laughs> now, yeah. does anybody else have a weather resource? Yeah, I do. I have one. Well, sure. I, I go with Carson Eads a lot. He has got a chase mobile unlike anything I've ever seen. Uh, you know, he's got all of the systems inside. He's got the Baron in there. He's got <clears throat> ham radio operator. He can talk uh, several ham radios. So, so he can talk to many people. And, you know, we've just got... You just got a great vehicle. It's a it's a beautiful state of the art vehicle with uh, four wheel drive, and and so we are able to hit the, hit the roads, and and it's just uh, nice to kind of chase out there. And it was just wonderful the last couple of days to be out there away from all this hype and all the city manias that's going on. And we ate at local diners, and you know things are going the same out there as they have been all along. And it's just kind of nice uh, get a little bit of sense of peace and tranquility out there. I love that, Tim. That's so awesome. And I love that you just use your cell phone too. I think that's like fascinating. There's so many tools you can use, but I mean, it, it truly tells like how big of an expert you are, great of an expert you are by just using your cell phone because you know, the sky and can read it that well, which is so awesome and amazing. Um, Dina. You've got to learn to read the sky. You do have to have to, to know the sky and, and, and read the sky. It's really important. A lot of chasers these days that are in the new ones, uh, they need to learn that. They really yeah. want to chase successfully. Oh, that's true. It's so true. Learn the cloud chart, guys. 
Um, Dina, and then actually that's another weather resource, but Dina, let's go to you. What do you have? Um, this one I just like, and, and I was thinking about it today because it's, uh, it's from the national weather service, but it's an experimental severe weather impact page where it gives you all the warnings, uh, that come out. And I like it on days like <laughs> I this. I would have seen what just hit Cincinnati recently. In other yeah. Words, right? yeah. And you can see this video, you can see the warning, um, if you click on it, it'll give you the map. It'll give you the valid time and things like that. So I kind of like it if you're kind of cool. looking, um, mm -hmm. so even if you're chasing, it kind of gives you just, just bookmark that page. Um, you'll see this thunderstorm warnings. Here's a tornado warning out of Little Rock. Um, so at least you get your bearings on where the worst weather is. So I like it. It's mm -hmm. quick. It's easy. And it's all right in one page. I love it. That's beautiful. Anyone else, guys? Yeah, I got, I got one. Oh, oh, oh yeah. go no, ahead, you, All right, I'll go ahead. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, we oh. were talking about it earlier with uh, with uh, uh, Tim uh, talking about uh, catastrophic loss and uh, raiding tornadoes. And so my weather resource tonight is the Institute for Catastrophic Loss Reduction. And they have this great website, and you can... Uh, if you're a homeowner, talks about how to protect your home from wind damage. And uh, obviously, uh, they have a tab for researchers and municipalities and really just a great resource for uh, how to prevent your uh, uh, property from being damaged and not just in wind, but obviously earthquakes and wildfires and all the rest of it. Oh, that's awesome. That's actually perfect for right now. Thanks, mm -hmm. Greg. What about you, Phil? All right, I'm going to circle it all back to Jen, to you, uh, being a, a parent and being at home with my kids, and Aww. we're only a week into this, and by God, I'm about to uh, do something crazy and nasty, I think. Uh, <laughs> Gives you a great appreciation for teachers. Oh, Transfer the kids out of your class, Holy Phil. Holy cow, these are my kids, yeah. So anyway, uh, so the National Weather Service has a great website uh, at weather.gov slash jetstream, and they've got all kinds of great learning lessons uh, that you can do with kids. That uh, and give you some great resources. Uh, we just had a little lesson with the boys on Wednesday. Taught them a little bit, Jen, as you talked about uh, clouds. We, we there's a cool little cloud wheel uh, that awesome. you can download, and and it, it kind of shows you. Uh, you can kind of show where the different types of clouds and whether it tends to happen in colder or warmer weather. And uh, it's really kind of a unique situation. But we covered that. We covered tornadoes a little bit, and and the ingredients needed to, to form tornadoes and create thunderstorms. So all kinds of great lessons in there. And this comes directly from the national weather service uh, at Jetstream. So, that's fabulous. Cool. Oh, for all your awesome. parents looking to do some science, science right. teaching with your kids, Jen, go ahead. Well, we've got some great resources and you can find them episode 101 in the show notes, either on our website, stormfrontfreaks.com or your favorite podcast app. You got it. Send me a postcard. <laughs> drop me a line. You've got mail, baby. Yeah. All right. We're shooting to MJ. Find out what's in our mailbox. All right. We got some mail today or this week, this past couple of weeks for sure. We're going to start it off with Screaming Eagle 93. Yeah. Um, who saw the at Stormfront Freak van in Oklahoma City <laughs> today. Tried waving to them on the freeway, but they didn't see. Ha ha. Excited to hear the new podcast. And that's right, of course. We were in OKC for our 100th episode, and Phil decked out our rental van uh, with Stormfront Freaks Storm Team decals. And so, uh, sorry we missed you, Screaming Eagle 93, but I hope you liked our reply. I'll just say. What's that? What was that? It got us into a few yes, places it did. like. Uh, we did. That was know. cool. Yeah. So, so, thanks for that. Parker Owens, one of our loyal listeners and viewers, says, Congrats on your 100th episode, guys. Having Rick and Gary there was awesome. Can't wait for the next 100. So, thanks, Parker. Oh, that's thanks, sweet. Parker. Appreciate that. Steve Collier says, uh, Man, what a great time. Had a blast. You guys did not disappoint. Thank you all so much for taking the time to say hi and talk for a few minutes. It was nice meeting everyone. Congratulations on a 100 on 100 episodes. Keep it up. I look forward to many more. Your podcast is really the most entertaining. Oh, Steve, yeah. Steve was great. He was great. He joined us at Vanessa House Brewery. Yep. And yeah. uh, we had fun chatting him up. So thanks, yeah. Steve. Uh, we got a couple more here. Uh, Giovanni, MLC Storm Chasers, says... It was a fantastic episode talking about our 100th. It was a pleasure to listen to it live and interact through the Facebook portal, being then there. 
and start uh, sharing that with everyone else who wanted to be there but couldn't. Hey, friends, you all know who you are. It was a treat for all of us. So thanks, Giovanni. Oh, I love that. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for participating with others uh, in the uh, in the chat. That was great. Yeah. Uh, Ray Leichner at Storm Chaser Ray says, next on the agenda going forward, binge watching every episode of the <laughs> podcast, all but episode number 47. That drone guy needs a different beer choice. And of oh. course, Ray was our guest on it. Of course, that was Ray. Yeah, yeah he's, you know he's going to watch that five times. He's not going to watch it. At <laughs> yeah, at least. Then we'll finish up with uh, Tanya Borden uh, at MyBlake14, who says, Happy National Weather Podcast Month to my favorite shows. Uh, loves this show. The show opening is great. So happy to have another weather podcast to listen to. Uh, she's also geeking out with uh, weather uh, with uh, B squared, the weather podcast B squared, weather brains, uh, Carolina weather group, weather geeks, and Doctor Shepherd 2013, and she signs it hashtag weather nerd. So thanks, Tanya. All those podcasts should keep you going through this uh, little virus thing we got going on. I love that's that. a good way Probably. to get through it. It that's sure a very is. Good way. <clears throat> and, All right, and that, that was the box. Very good. So I think that just about does it for this episode of Stormfront Freaks Podcast. I always thank you guys for listening and watching. Uh, before I get to our next guest, I uh, want to remind you, we love your reviews. Uh, we love hearing what you like about the show. Uh, hell, we, we're strong enough. Tell us if there's something you don't like about the show. We'll be happy to consider changing that if we need to. Uh, we're, we're only 101 episodes in, and, and uh, we can... We can always change things up, but let us know. You can review uh, whether you get a hold of us via um, uh, social media, uh, whether you find us on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, or on all of those. You can send us an email at questions at stormfrontfreaks.com as well. Uh, and also uh, subscribe to the show. So if you're listening to us right now on your favorite podcast app, there's usually a button that allows you to subscribe or just follow which makes sure that the next episode we release uh, shows up right away in your inbox so you can listen to it the minute uh, we send it out as opposed to having to wait uh, to find it. So I, I do want to say a special thanks to our guest tonight, Tim Marshall. Yeah. Uh, Tim, thank you. Thanks, Tim. Tim, you're uh, awesome. It, it was great having you on. So glad, uh, so glad we, we made that work out uh, and fit it within your chase schedule. That's probably what's most important. <laughs> um, but our next episode, we're going to be recording live on YouTube on Thursday, April 2nd. It's going to be at a special time. We've got another fellow Weather Hall of Famer uh, and Weather Channel legend Jim Cantori is going to be with us here in a couple weeks. Uh, so stay tuned on our social media accounts for the announced time that we do that. It'll probably be a special time because uh, yeah, Jim's got to get up so early in the morning uh, to, to do his show. So uh, we usually will do that probably around, I'd say probably around 6 o'clock Eastern uh, on April 2nd. But keep keep uh, posted on what that is. But uh, for MJ, for Dina, Jen, Greg, and for Tim, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and signal the all clear, and uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Good night, everybody. Good night. Bye, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Bye, y'all. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Good morning. Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Find our bi-weekly show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast app. And watch our live and recorded shows on YouTube. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, merchandise, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you are there, check out our live interactive Storm Chaser radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Search Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the Stormfront Freaks podcast. <laughs>